It's 11.30 here at KRBN on this Thursday, August 26th. It's time for Midday. Tyler Cavalli along with you. Hopefully your day is going well. Coming up in about 15 minutes, Paul Perkins will tell us how long these warm temperatures will last here towards the end of the month. That's coming up in our regional ag weather update. Jason's in. It's going to be a busy, busy weekend coming up tomorrow. And this upcoming weekend is fall sports, not only the high school level, but uh, college level will officially kick off starting this weekend. More on that coming up in just a few moments. And Bob Brogan will tell us how stocks are looking so far here on this Thursday. But let's head east, but not as far as east as we usually do. We're heading to Grand Island and the Nebraska State Fair. That's where Susan Littlefield is now joining us as they are setting up the KRVN booth. How is that going? It's going well. As soon as we have electricity, we will be rocking and rolling. But we're getting along and we're ready to go and and folks are really moving in. And before we know it, it is going to be state fair time. Yeah, it sounds a little busy there in Grand Island. It does. There's a, there's a lot happening. As, as they're setting up the booth, we're setting up our booth. But, you know, it's kind of funny. It's almost like old home week because mm. nobody has seen each other in two years. Right, right. Yeah, well, I'm glad that we have the booth once again. And if you'll be stopping at the State Fair starting tomorrow through the next week or so, be sure to stop by and say hi. In the meantime, though, what do you have coming up for us on Midday today? Well, Alex is going to kick everything off here at 1219 as she talks with Tom Field, director of the Angler Program, sharing two of his most profound lessons from his time on his family's ranch in Colorado. Then she'll be back in at 1245 as she'll talk with uh, Shanley McNeil, executive director of nutrition, science, health, and wellness with NCBA, talking about physician and uh, the parental education on the importance of incorporating beef into a young child's diet. And then if you've seen all the rumors on social media that Nebraska is getting paid to destroy their cornfields, totally a rumor. Don't believe everything you read on these social media apps. But uh, the platform Talking TikTok has got a couple farmers out there and then some other folks that have taken off with it. We'll talk with the Director of Agriculture, Steve Wellman, who nips that rumor in the bud. Okay. And that'll be at 117. Yeah, some good stuff there and some important information for everybody to know as well. I will let you get back to uh, setting up, and uh, we'll talk to you later. All right, sounds good. Thanks. All right, thank you very much. Let's uh, catch up now with sports and Jason Jorgensen. Big news today for Nebraska Volleyball. They'll have to uh, wait a little bit longer to play the first game. Yeah, about seven more hours. Their game with Tulsa was popped due to COVID issues with Tulsa. So no 11 a.m. game tomorrow for Nebraska. But they are still scheduled to play Colgate tomorrow night at 6. And then on Saturday at 4, they will take on Kansas State. Get used to that. Yeah. Uh, we kind of all yeah. went through that last year. We thought well, we had all of that in the rearview mirror. And that is not the case. Also, if you plan on going to Nebraska volleyball, you will have to wear a mask. Uh, they've also put out uh, what they're going for for football. If you're in the regular stadium, you're strongly, re- you know, they say you should wear a mask, but you don't have to. But if you go to volleyball, you'll have to wear a mask. Well, Lincoln has a mask mandate mm-hmm. anyway, so you may as well just mm-hmm. bring a mask. Yep. All right, thank you very much. Let's turn things over to Bob Brogan. How are stocks looking so far? They're wavering between gains and losses in uh, trading on Wall Street as the market's momentum cools off just a little bit. Meanwhile, the the, uh, number of Americans applying for unemployment benefits rose for the first time in five weeks, even though the economy and job market have been recovering. Those are a couple of the uh, big stories that are out today. All right. All that. Thanks. And it's time for a regional ag weather update brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. 
Paul Perkins is joining us. And, Paul, we've been watching a little bit of rainfall on the western half of our listing area today. Yeah, west central Nebraska, mulling down to Thetford towards Oshkosh, and then along I-80 towards the uh, Ogallala area, basically from Sutherland on over to the Chapel area. Continuing to see some rain just kind of train over the same area, so I went down and we see some decent rainfall totals in those areas towards the Lake McConaughey area. Nothing too severe, just some steady light to moderate rain that continues just to lift to the northeast. The trailing edge of that rain from about the Julesburg area to around Venango to south of Crant, basically just to the north of Imperial. There had been some light rain in central portions of Nebraska, but right now just some light maybe sprinkles to the north of Spalding and Albion. Still some stubborn and cloud cover in central portions of Nebraska, especially from just east of Lexington on over to Grand Island, Kearney, and Hastings. Uh, some spotty coverage of clouds that extends all the way up to around Ord and Albion. All this moisture and cloud cover gradually burning off as the afternoon goes on. Yeah, yesterday we thought it was going to get sunny for most of the day, but for most of us, goodness gracious, it was a blanket of clouds and it didn't really burn off or move away until late in the evening yes and, and when it did come out the when the sun did come out it really got warm it did and <laughs> speaking of warm today goodness gracious it's going to feel like a summer day that's for sure across our listing area yeah upper 70s to low 80s across much of nebraska right now except where we do have that cloud cover and where the rains have been occurring some upper 60s to low 70s right now from sydney on up to the uh, ogallala area otherwise once again most of us in the upper 70s to low 80s into northern kansas those temperatures right now in the upper 80s to around 90, including 91 at Oakley, 90 at Smith Center and Concordia. It is a bit on the humid side right now with that moisture from the rains in the area. Dew points for most of us in the upper 60s to the low 70s and as high as 75 on that dew point in York. Anytime that dew point gets to about 65 is when you start to feel the humidity. Today will be sunny and hot. Daytime highs about 10 to 15 degrees above normal once that sunshine comes out in full force. Heat and humidity making it feel as high as 1 100 to 105, especially eastern Nebraska into central and east Kansas. Scattered thunderstorms expected to develop near front in northern Nebraska late today, possibly tracked to the south tonight. Some of those storms could be severe, especially along and north of a line from Ogallala to Broken Bell, Albion, and Fremont. Basically, the northern half of the state is where a storm prediction center is placing a slight risk of severe storms. A few more thunderstorms are possible near an approaching cold front in western areas of Nebraska tomorrow. Our daytime highs for tomorrow and Saturday, staying in the 90s. Thunderstorm chances increased by Saturday through Saturday night with a cold front tracking to the east. Our temperatures will cool to seasonal levels for one day on Sunday, then warm back to slightly above normal for next week. The middle of next week looking mostly dry before some decent chances of thunderstorms start to return late next week into the Labor Day weekend. That is indicated pretty much in our long-term forecast. Warmer than normal temperatures remain likely for Nebraska and Kansas Tuesday through the first eight days of next month. Near normal to slightly above normal rainfall is indicated Tuesday through September 8th for Nebraska and Kansas. Checking our latest regional drought monitor, despite some good rains late last week, Nebraska dropped two percentage points to 14% drought-free. Still no dryness issues in a triangle-shaped area of south-central Nebraska from Kearney down to Cambridge on over to Red Cloud and in much of eastern Nebraska. Most other areas of Nebraska abnormally dry to a moderate drought. There are pockets of severe drought around Trenton Scotts Bluff, Fullerton, Hebron to Fairbury, and O'Neill to the far northeast corner. Extreme drought continues right along the Nebraska-South Dakota border from Boyd to Dakota County.
Kansas dropped 8 percentage points to 51% drought-free. Abnormal dryness to a moderate drought found in much of central and western Kansas. Severe drought is found in Rollins County of northwest Kansas. Key weather factors affecting the markets include heavy rain in the forecast for the upper Midwest, a tropical system coming to the Gulf of Mexico, and rainfall across South America. A major rain the next three days across the upper Midwest could result in additional rain totals of 2 to 6 inches. Some of the rain could be accompanied by large hail and damaging wind. The focus of the heaviest rain should extend from the mid-Missouri Valley into the upper Great Lakes. The rain should be overall favorable for the final stages of filling corn and soybeans, and the heavy rain should reduce the drought. A developing tropical cyclone over the Caribbean Sea should enter to the Gulf of Mexico by tomorrow night, move towards the Gulf Coast. Coastal areas from Texas to western Florida needing to watch the progress of this developing system with rainfall, wind, and storm surge impacts potentially reaching the Gulf Coast as early as Sunday. For South Brazil, showers will continue through the weekend. Beneficial rain for developing to reproductive wheat where it does rain. Awaiting the start of the wet season, more rain needed farther north in Brazil before the start of spring planting. Okay, so it's going to be hot today, and there's a decent chance that rain will continue on and off for at least the Nebraska region. Yeah, exactly. Those rains should be gradually coming to an end into western areas. Looks like northern Nebraska, kind of the bullseye for some uh, strong thunderstorms for today. Storm Prediction Center once again with that slight risk of severe storms across the northern half of Nebraska, along the north of a line from Ogallala to Broken Bow, Ord, Columbus, and Omaha. Uh, higher risk of severe weather mm-hmm. over northern Iowa into southern Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Now, on the eastern side of Nebraska, also, it's going to be hot and muggy for the rest of the day, so stay, stay cool. Yeah, drink plenty of water. Heat index readings up to around 100 to 105. Yikes. All right. Sounds good. Well, for a full weather forecast, if somebody wants that, where can they access it? Weather page, krvn.com. Thank you, Paul. Zero one. At the recent Nebraska Broadcasters Convention in Omaha, KRVN won six awards at the Awards of Excellence Banquet. KRVN Farm Director Susan Littlefield took home gold in the Service to Agriculture category for keeping agriculture safe during COVID-19. Morning News anchor Bob Brogan wins silver for Best Newscast. In the Best In-Depth Sports Story or Series category, Lana Green took home silver for Loafer Leadup and Jason Jorgensen won bronze for Husker Chat. Alex Wojcicki takes home silver for SCC Ag Club fundraising goal and Bryce Newskit and Alex win silver in best online video for Friday 5 McRib returns to Nebraska in addition sister stations in Scotts Bluff Holdridge and West Point took home honors in the following categories service to ag best continuing coverage of a news story best use of multimedia journalism and service to children KRBN and the Nebraska rural radio stations your trusted voice for news, weather, sports, and ag information. The Angler Entrepreneurship Journey. Celebrating success, embracing failure, and inspiring the entrepreneur inside of you. Finally, he said, Sonny boy, this is the best weather we're going to get today. You just as well enjoy it. I've never forgotten that. That's Dr. Tom Field, director of the Angler Program. The last few episodes of The Angler Journey, we've learned about Tom's many entrepreneurial ventures before he even joined The Angler Program. But one huge lesson he learned that sticks with him today came from his young days on his family's ranch in Colorado. One of the most profound moments in the ranching world for me was I was probably 11. And so we moved cattle a lot, and we were moving about 300 pairs, and it was a long drive. That was one where we had a a big, long valley we had to come, and then we had to rise in elevation kind of in the middle of the day when it's hot, and so it's 
challenging. But on this particular day, instead of it being hot, it started raining about 10 o'clock in the morning, and it rained all day. And when you're a young cowboy, they put you at the back, what they call the drag. Mm. And so you're trying to encourage these calves who are also tired, and, and now they're wet just like you are, and their attitude's getting worse, and my attitude was getting worse, and I'm just grumbling. Like I can still yeah. remember, I, I can still hear myself complaining. And there was a senior cowboy that owned a ranch next to us, uh, Mr. Howard. And we're riding along, and, and he's just listening to me complain. And I, I was, I, I'm, I felt like a drowned rat. I can still remember. <laughs> and he listened, and he listened, and he listened, and he never got mad. He should have, he should have just reached over and probably just smacked me and pushed me off my horse in the mud and done the John Wayne thing. But instead, he was patient. Finally, he said, Sonny boy, this is the best weather we're going to get today. You just as well enjoy it. I've never forgotten that. Tom said that another big lesson from his ranching days came shortly after he graduated from college. And that lesson was about embracing change. Our family had had Hereford cattle since the end of the Civil War when we first started ranching. And we'd been in the Hereford business. And Mm -hmm. the county I lived in was a Hereford county, like literally Hereford cattle. That's all you saw. So, you know, imagine that, right? And I, I get out of college and I come home and I figure out, like, we're going to have to bring enough some more some, uh, different genetics in here. Yeah. And so I bought the first Angus cattle. And it, it was about an 18 month process to even convince my dad that he would allow me to do it without having to buy my own land. And went to Montana, bought 30 head of purebred Angus cows from Pat Goggins' ranch. But anyway, so we get the, the Angus cow, and of course, my grandmother was just aghast. She could not believe I had wandered off the, the path of truth and virtue to get non-Hereford cattle. So I had, to, had to, a lot of work to do with her uh, uh-huh. to convince her it was okay. But once I've got him, I'm like, your dad's not going to necessarily buy the bulls from you. You're going to have to sell these bulls in a county where nobody buys Angus cattle. And I can remember thinking, okay, maybe I didn't do my customer discovery perfectly here, but I put together my marketing plan and I did a lot of face-to-face marketing. I pounded the stone a lot. And a guy named Dino Poloni, one day he just showed up at the ranch and he said, well, let's go look at these Angus bulls. And he bought the best one for a price. I'm not, I think, more than it was probably worth. And then he told everybody. He made my business. And that again is Tom Field, who now serves as the director of the Angler Program. You can learn more about the Angler Agribusiness Entrepreneurship Program at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln by visiting angler.unl.edu.com. It is time for Midday Sports. Sports director Jason Jorgensen is now joining us and already finding out a different schedule now for Husker Volleyball. Yeah, kind of a bummer. The Huskers volleyball season opener with Tulsa tomorrow morning. That's been popped due to COVID on Tulsa's side of things. So the tournament schedule now includes three matches for the weekend at the Vandy Center. Tomorrow, K-State plays Colgate at 11, followed by the originally scheduled Colgate-Nebraska match at 6.30. Tournament concludes on Saturday night with Kansas State against Nebraska at 4. We will have the K-State-Nebraska game tomorrow at 4 over on Cammy Country. Uh, we've been through this before. I mm-hmm. uh, get used to it. We probably thought midsummer this was behind us, but it, it isn't. No. Now remind me, 
the Big Ten, as other conferences have come out and said, if a team cannot play because of COVID, it is uh, considered a no contest. Correct. So will Nebraska move to one and O oh, technically, or how? I don't work? know how that works with non-conference stuff. That okay. was just conference games. Ah. I think non-conference is different. My guess is it'd be a no contest. It doesn't count. Okay. Either way. All right. But, don't quote me on that. All right, <laughs> we'll have to look at this. It, it makes sense to me that it would be that way, but right, I'm I'm not the commissioner of anything. Okay, all right. <laughs> Brass Athletic Director Trev Albert said he's proud of the progress Husker football team has made in its effort to vaccinate players. It announced that the program is 90 percent vaccinated. He said that last night on Sports Nightly. Now, yesterday, the Lancaster County Health Department put back in place its mask mandate for indoor events. Now, Albert says the athletic department will take this day by day. So when you think about our indoor sports and you think about volleyball, we've got a couple games coming up here soon. Uh, there is a mask mandate, and uh, the athletic department's worked hand-in-hand with Lancaster County Health Department and with our institution. Obviously, there are policies and procedures that Chancellor Green has in place, and so we're working very hard to to comply with those and make sure that we have our, our standards in place. Nebraska also announced its COVID policies for football games this morning. We'll get that story up at krvn.com. Basically, rank-and-file fans in the game, you do not have to wear a mask, but it's strongly encouraged. Right. But if you're inside in the press box, you have to. If you're in the elevator, you have to. Media has to. Right. That's where it stands right now. It's a little wonky. Yeah. Basically, as we mentioned last hour, if you plan on going to Lincoln anyway, Lincoln has a mask mandate, so just bring the mask. And especially if you're going to the Bob Devaney Sports Center, you have to have it yep. on there uh, no matter what. So just bring the mask if you're heading to uh, to any games and this will last at least through uh, the end of September. That's right. When high school volleyball season begins tonight across the state. In Gothenburg, the Swedes appear to be poised to have a big year as they return the core of last year's team that went 23-12 and and advanced to a district final. Head coach Bryson Mulberg says the Swedes have some options when it comes to putting the ball away. That may be um, a little bit different from the teams we've had in the past where we've had one or two girls who could really put the ball down. Um, I think anybody across the front row on any given night could have you know 10 plus kills so as i said before i think matching up against us i'm hoping could be a difficult task for opposing teams gothenburg begins the season tonight at cozad that match will start around seven they'll play it in the wellness center because mm-hmm. they're still redoing the floor at the barn can't make it out tyler will have the call on cami country should be a good one excited for gothenburg Let's see what they can do just missed out on state last year and so they do this year. And I'm a little surprised they are not ranked in most of the top ten polls that I've seen. Yeah. Coach Malberg has some talent there and some kids that played very well. I, I would think Gothenburg makes some noise this year. Watch out for him this fall. Mm-hmm. That's sports. For more, you can check it out anytime at krvn.com. This is Greg Sharp. The Husker football team opens the 2021 season on the road against Big Ten foe Illinois. Catch every snap against the Illini on the longest-running Husker football affiliate, KRVN. 
For 70 years, KRBN, The River, and Cami has been on the air serving ag producers in Nebraska, Kansas, Colorado, South Dakota, and Iowa. That's a big reason to celebrate with a big prize. KRBN is going platinum this summer, giving you the chance to win a brand new Ruby Red 2020 Ram 3500 Dually Pickup with a Hillsboro aluminum flatbed. KRBN is going platinum with the help of Faz Garage, Arapaho, Fa Motor Company, Cambridge, Lashley Land and Recreational Brokers, and Eustace Body shop with locations in Eustace, Cozad, Lexington, Kearney, Grand Island, and Lincoln. We're giving you a lot of ways to register to win. Stop by one of the many registration locations across the state. Come see us at a summer event and listen for your chance to call in and register. Nebraska's leading economic indicator fell in July, according to the most recent report from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln's Bureau of Business Research. BBR economist Eric Thompson says it was a small decline of 0.17% with four of the six components going negative last month. This is the first decline in 10 months. As the leading indicator is designed to predict economic activity six months in the future, this small drop suggests that Nebraska's economic growth may begin to slow around the turn of the year. Thompson says the primary drivers of the decline were reductions in building permits for single-family homes and an uptick in initial claims of unemployment insurance. He notes airline passengers' counts did increase and business expectations were positive, with many responding companies reporting plans to increase sales and employment in the coming months. The former finance director of the Nebraska State Fair has pleaded no contest to three counts of felony theft of money from the fair, and 30-year-old Patrick Kopke entered the plea Tuesday and faces up to 20 years in prison on each charge when he is sentenced in October. Kopke was charged after a state audit showed a company he created had paid nearly $150,000 from state funds but did not perform any work for the fair. The auditors said Kopke used bank accounts from the company to pay more than $100,000 in personal expenses. The University of Nebraska-Lincoln is suspending operations at a fraternity house during an investigation into an alleged sexual assault. Chancellor Ronnie Green said Wednesday that Phi Gamma Delta, better known as Fiji, will be closed and all operations stopped during the investigation. The announcement came after a 1,000 people surrounded the house Tuesday night to protest the alleged assault. Green said Fiji was currently on probation for previous violations of university policy. University police chief said the assault was reported early Tuesday and the investigation is continuing. University of Nebraska Regent Jack Stark faces felony witness tampering charges arising from a sexual assault case prosecuted in Douglas County. According to Douglas County court records, Stark, 74, is charged with one count of tampering with a witness, a Class 4 felony. Media reports say Stark went before a judge Wednesday on the charges which were brought by the state's attorney general. Judge Thomas Harmon released him on his own recognizance. Stark's next court appearance is scheduled for 9 a.m. Tuesday in Douglas County Court. He represents District 2 on the Nebraska Board of Regents. The allegations against Stark are that he interfered with a witness in August 2020, and court records connect the charges against him to the sexual assault case against Douglas Anders, who coached women in bodybuilding at an Omaha facility unaffiliated with the university. Anders was convicted in the case and sentenced in April to up to 30 years in prison. Stark was elected to the Board of Regents in 2020, representing portions of Omaha. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Ellen. But a time. 
reporting from the 2021 Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA Trade Show in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm Alex Wojcicki on the Rural Radio Network. Today we're joined by Shailene McNeil. She's the Executive Director of Nutrition, Science, Health, and Wellness with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Today we're going to have a conversation about physician education, talking about beef in the early years. This is something that you guys have kind of put on the forefront of what you're doing. Tell me a little bit more about it really big effort to reach pediatricians and parents with this new information about how to introduce beef starting at six months of age. We know that the American Academy of Pediatrics and the new dietary guidelines recognize that infants today are often short in iron and other key nutrients and they need the nutrients in beef and the recommendations are to start introducing meats around six months of age. Well a lot of parents and pediatricians are surprised to learn about this information and through our beef checkoff program we're able to provide physician education so provide them with the latest science and what these recommendations are but then also show them how to safely and nutritiously introduce beef because parents and pediatricians have questions on how do I feed beef to uh, starting at six months of age so that is a big part of our educational efforts as well that goes right into what I was gonna ask what are some questions that you're hearing from whether it's parents or physicians about you know beef in the early years one of the great things about the beef checkoff program is is that we're able to do what we call market research so we can do research with pediatricians to understand what are their questions and what are their barriers and then we can provide the education to help them address some of those concerns so one of the things that parents and pediatricians have in common is as they ask questions about is it safe to feed beef because could my baby choke and so we provide education on pureeing beef how to make a thin puree when your baby's just starting out and then how to make it thicker and lumpier and how to shred and chop beef and tender cut so that you can safely introduce beef but it's really well known that beef can be safely introduced at around six months of age so that's the kinds of um, education that we're able to provide to physicians we also through our partnership with a federal of state beef councils are able to provide in-office education in doctor's offices. So we have 2,200 doctor's offices, pediatrician offices, and birthing centers around the country that are soon going to be receiving tips and how-tos for safely introducing beef. I know this is something you guys have worked on for a little while now. So tell me about when you when you started this campaign, if you will, to, to now, how have you seen beef in the early years kind of ramp up? Well, like all checkoff programs, uh, this starts with science. Because you can't imagine that we wouldn't be able to go talk to pediatricians about introducing beef at around six months of age if there wasn't a solid science foundation for that. And so not only through checkoff research, but other research has shown that infants today are actually more depleted in iron than they were even 10 years ago. So iron levels have dropped off of in, in infants' diets. That's because there's been so many great uh, recommendations to breastfeed, and that's really good. But breast milk starting at around six months of age naturally is lower in iron. So you need to introduce iron-rich foods. And so we have the science on our side to help enforce this uh, educational campaign and back it up that we're talking about. And so it takes time, right? We've done research for decades to be able to get to the place where we can do advertorials in physician magazines highlighting beef's benefits and be able to do that in a credible way. So it's it's years in the making, but the Beef Checkoff allows for that. And really, I think it's so important because there's not other programs out there that help us to promote beef in this way and with science-based information. 
So it sounds like this is kind of the, the focal point of what you're working on right now, but what are some other things that you guys are doing? What we're looking forward to doing is in 2022, not only talking about just that early years of life, but adolescence. That's another, you know, I'm a teenage, I have teenage kids and girls especially are short in so many of the nutrients that beef provides. So we're going to be talking about the importance of beef's nutrients um, during the adolescent years. We also are looking at research on weight management and diabetes and heart health, just continuing to show that when you eat a healthy diet that includes beef, you have great health outcomes. And so it's very, very easy to include beef as part of a healthy diet. And so that research is ongoing. We have, we look to, um, provide consumers with easy and delicious ways to make healthy and balanced meals with beef, like on our Beef is What's for Dinner website. So lots of great ways. Consumers want to hear more about eating beef in a balanced diet. They are looking for those tips. And so it's great that our Beef Checkoff is available to provide all of these great resources for them. Absolutely. Shailene, what else is important to mention that we haven't talked about yet? Well, I think another piece of it is just the importance of medical education for all health professionals. So it's not just pediatricians that we're reaching, but registered dietitians and fitness professionals, because we know that, yes, consumers get a lot of their information online, but they still look for those credentialed experts that they go to for advice. So a big part of our program is providing them the basic information about beef. We know today that a lot of health professionals still have questions about how to incorporate beef. What are the lean cuts? How do I recommend? beef? How do I prepare beef? So we're working with health professional community to try to be more confident in their ability to recommend beef. All right. Well, Shailene, like you said, in a world where we kind of just Google search uh, whatever we're looking for, what's the best way to find more information about this? Well, our beefitswhatsfordinner.com website is your go-to resource for all things beef. And we've got a nutrition section that's very um, populated with great information. We've got recipes there. You can learn about beef production practices, the whole, all of the information that really is your science-based go-to source for all things beef is beefitswhatsfordinner.com. So don't forget to check that one out for sure. All right. Awesome information. That again, Shailene McNeil joining us. She's the Executive Director of Nutrition, Science, Health, and Wellness with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. I'm Alex Wojcicki reporting from Nashville on the Rural Radio Network. Aided to you. Stocks are wavering between gains and losses in trading on Wall Street as the market's momentum cools off following a five-day winning streak for the S&P 500. With the Business Report, I'm Bob Brogan. The benchmark index was down one-tenth of a percent. The Dow Jones Industrial Average was up one-tenth of a percent. And the Nasdaq Composite was mostly unchanged. The Federal Reserve's annual two-day convention in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, begins today. Fed Chair Jerome Powell is scheduled to speak tomorrow. The number of Americans applying for unemployment benefits rose for the first time in five weeks, even though the economy and job market have been recovering briskly from the coronavirus pandemic. More from Cheryl Casson. For initial claims, that came in a tiny bit hotter than expected, but not by much, 353,000 on initial claims. And then as far as continuing claims, coming in a little bit hotter than expected, 2.86 million. The estimate was 2.79 million. Again, initial jobless claims edged up to 353,000 last week from 349,000 the week before. The U.S. economy grew at a 6.6% annual rate last quarter, slightly faster than previously estimated. The Commerce Department estimates that the nation's gross domestic product, its total output of goods and services, accelerated slightly in the April-June quarter from the 6.5% it had reported last month. 
Half of American workers are in favor of vaccine requirements at their workplaces at a time when such mandates are gaining traction now that the government has given full approval of Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine. That finding comes from a new poll from the Associated Press Center for Public Affairs Research. Overall, 47% of in-person workers are in favor, while 26% are opposed. That compares with 59% of remote workers in support of vaccine mandates for people working in person at their workplace. For the Rural Radio Network, uh... Have you heard the rumblings or seen the discussions about Nebraska destroying their cornfields? Well, it's not true. Social media platforms have taken and run with the idea that Nebraskans are getting paid by the government to destroy those corn. So I asked the director of the Nebraska Department of Agriculture, is there any truth to those TikTok rumors? No, the Nebraska Department of Agriculture is not paying farmers to take out their corn or any other crops, and neither is the United States Department of Agriculture. Steve, there's a lot of videos that have been floating around, some of them a month or two old, and now picking up on those social media platforms. Disheartening to know the work that some are doing in agriculture are falling by the wayside of rumors. Well, I've seen a couple of the videos that are out there on social media, and quite honestly, there's little to zero amount of truth in in any of what I've seen. So I, I don't know why the information would be put out in that manner. I think it's just a good reminder for us to not always believe what we see on social media. And, you know, farmers and ranchers have been working hard to build trusting relationships with consumers for quite some time. And then videos of this uh, type that contain scare tactics and false information are really counter to building that consumer confidence and trust. So in the end, it's, um, it's not productive for agriculture, and it's surely not productive for the consumers. You know, what might have started out as a, as a funny joke on social media, on a, on a social app like TikTok, has definitely gone viral, and you're hearing from your counterparts all across the nation. Yes, I've taken a few phone calls from uh, Iowa, North Dakota, and, and others here in the office. We're fielding phone calls from Illinois and, and some Nebraska calls too. So definitely the, uh, the social media is getting some attention and unfortunately it's driving calls to the department either from the consumers worried about uh, food supply and why we would be doing such thing as destroying crops. But again, rest assured, uh, the Nebraska state government, USDA, is not paying producers to destroy their crops. So, Steve, should producers that are on these social media platforms, should they be speaking out to what they're seeing and and, and reaching out to these creators to say, whoa, this is not true? Well, I would encourage that. I'm certainly not going to tell somebody to engage on social media if that's not what they want to do, right? But uh, if they have an inclination to be active on social media, I think it's always proper to to state true facts and and to contradict any falsehoods that they see on social media i think that's one of the things that that agricultural producers can do to uh to offset falsehoods whether in this case or in any other case on social media so yeah please engage in that as best you can as as you're willing and uh we need 
we need the truth out there. I don't believe that agriculture has anything to be ashamed of for how we conduct ourselves here in Nebraska or across the United States. We supply high-quality, top-notch uh, food for us here in the U.S. and, and around the world. So we, we do things right. We are very productive, and we certainly need to stand up for uh, our product. So it may be time for us to put those farm hats on and talk about what's happening in agriculture and help to debunk all these social media platform rumors that we're destroying our corn here in Nebraska. That's Director Steve Wellman joining us this afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network. Southside. Clay Patton on the World Radio Network. Let's touch in on the closing grain trade now with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zang Marketing and Chicago Publisher of the newsletter this week in grain. John, as we come across corn and soybeans struggling on the day, but those soybeans in particular, is there some concerns down in the Delta with that hurricane starting to close in? Yeah, it's, a, it's a weird story because some producers are going to say, especially the more northern ones, are going to look at uh, you know, the guys who double crop out east. They need rain, and this is going to bring a fantastic opportunity. The problem is it's going to land right up the Mississippi River, so you're going to hit a lot of low-lying ground. It's going to be some flooding, and especially on the port of New Orleans where you're looking at, they're, they're calling for upwards of 10 inches rain. Now, it could be over a certain period of time. This storm doesn't look like a hurricane like from a wind, wind perspective, but just the amount of moisture it's going to bring. I think it's scaring up. One, short sellers of natural gas, and then the other one is, is front-run beans. So if you look at the bean curve in November today, you'd say, oh, hold on, we're down $0.04. Cents. China bought. Not a, not the worst thing. And you look over at September, and, and you know, you're up 30 So uh, that spread between uh, September and November was at 3 on the morning of the 24th, and now it's at 43 So that's 40-cent move in, in two-month spread. Uh, that'll be what I'll be watching tomorrow into the options expiration uh, as well as, um, you know, what this forecast kind of brings, because there's a lot of dynamics here at play. Um, China bought beans today, so th- there's some upside that we could have into the end of the week. And then the wheat market, completely bucking the trend of the U.S. dollar wanting to gain strength, maybe be that safe haven play for some global investors here today. And it doesn't matter, all the wheat markets just decided to move higher. Is there still that global tightness, their global supply tightness concern helping to drive that market? Yeah. I mean, the offers they're getting, there were no offers into Tunisia from, from anybody other than Australia today, or at least relevant ones. So the, the, the wheat complex is continuing to lead us up. Uh, you know, it's somebody like myself, I'm looking at trades like, you know, the parity between July corn and July KC wheat. And right now we're dollar forty or dollar fifty wide. Uh, it was a dollar over, you know, in the July 21 contract for corn. So if you have any weather problems in South America next year, I mean, that's one that could really get wild. You're going to get increased wheat acres. You know, the moisture that's out this example, Texas, you know, they're having the best, you know, year that they probably have ever had uh, in recent memory when it comes to, you know, crop moisture. So uh, I think you're going to see attempts to plant wheat. I think the market's trying to incentivize it to make sure because it sees these global markets going higher. And uh, as long as that's that's the case, I think the markets are going to stay bid through the uh, the planning intentions reports, which aren't until like January. That is John Payne, senior marketing analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago. Learn more DanielZagMarketing.com. Do remember, though, train future options of all risk of loss may not be suitable for all investors. Thank you very much, Clay. That'll wrap up midday here on this Thursday. Catch the midday podcast sponsored by Duveni Motors. Wherever podcasts are available or KRVI.